Good morning. I am super, super excited to be here. I hope you are as well. There's a lot of reasons why I'm excited, and I want to share a few of those with you right now. I just came back uh, from the West Texas area, south of Sweetwater. There's a place called uh, Nolan, and there's nothing to it, but out there there's a little camp, and that's where I spent the last few days uh, at a place called Camp Butman. And, and there they have what's called a walk to Emmaus. You may or may not be familiar with it. But let me tell you a little bit what I've witnessed over the last few days. And something that has me really excited. I, I saw lots of tears falling from some grown men. Big, hairy, grown men. A couple of them looked like they could have been on Duck Dynasty. And there they were breaking down, crying. I saw songs being lifted up. Hearts being softened. Sins being confessed. I heard stories of addiction, of unfaithfulness, and how those are breaking down and they're saying, I'm going back to my family, I'm going back to my wife, I'm going back to my job, and I'm going to give it all up to the Lord. And it was exciting. You know, I listened to them and I watched how they handled this whole grace idea and the fact that they could be loved. And it was amazing because I think maybe they don't know how to respond. Or, or maybe maybe we don't know how to respond. Because when they realize how much God loves them, that grace has been offered to them, and all the sins that they have can be thrown away, they react like their favorite team just won the Super Bowl. I mean, they're really, really excited. And that's a biblical message. Because if you look in Luke chapter 15, Jesus says there will be more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents than 99 who need no penitence. I mean, it was exciting to watch these guys realize that there's a God who loves them. And we know that, right? Have we forgotten about that? I mean, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to be reverent. But let's not forget, there is also a time where we rejoice. And I think we are at a point right now in this congregation where it's time to rejoice. Let me tell you another reason why I'm, why I'm really excited. I have seen something take place over the last three or four weeks among the members here that has just been outstanding. I've seen excitement building. People are coming, they're showing up, they're volunteering to do things. They're getting on a bus and driving across town to show the ministry of presence. That is powerful. And I see that the Spirit is working in the lives of this congregation. And I know God is ready and continuing to do great things. And the third reason why I'm really excited is because we are starting a new series, another long series, but I think you're going to enjoy this one, uh, over a book called The Story. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second and why we're going to do that. But let's go to this first slide if we can. And I want somebody to tell me what this is. Does anybody have any guesses? Guy, you are looking ahead. You don't get that. That's cheating. Guy has his hand raised. I know what it is. He knows the next slide. Anybody want to guess what this is? A bicycle. Okay, let's go to this one and see what we have. It is, in fact, a bicycle. All right, very good. How about this second one? What's this? A Cheeto? Oh, a piece of cheese. Or a Cheeto. If you have a child under the age of seven, lots of things can look like a Cheeto. 
It's amazing how those things get smushed up and crunched in weird and unusual places. Anybody know? Okay, uh, I, I, you're wrong. You're, it's not cheese or Cheeto. What is it, guy? I'll show them. It's, it's an apple pie. And how about this last one? This, this should be an easy one. What, what's this? It is, in fact, let's go on. I thought it, to me, it looked like a cat, but it's a butterfly. It's an unusual looking butterfly. You did actually a pretty good job of guessing, maybe better than I'd hoped. I wanted you to fail miserably, and you didn't. But I think if you can get the concept of looking in really close, sometimes we miss out on the big picture. We forget if we don't step back, we can't really see what's going on. And sometimes we have the tendency to do that in our studies. And I'm the world's worst. I really am. When it comes to studying the Bible, I don't, I don't like just big picture breezing through. I want to crawl through the text. In fact, this is a shameless plug. Uh, starting it, it, this Tuesday, we're going to have the, the Tuesday Ladies Bible class. And we want to encourage you to be a part of that. We have a guest speaker once a month, uh, which gives me an opportunity to go visit with some ministers at a luncheon. But the other times, I'm there, and we're studying, and we're working on the book of Philippians. Philippians, four chapters long, 105 verses. I have got it planned out and ready to go. It's going to take 26 lessons to do 105 verses. That probably makes a few of you cringe. I get excited about digging in deep. But if we look too close, if we're always looking at the microscope, we miss the big picture of what's really going on. And I think that's why it's really important that we do this. You see, sometimes we have um, the tendency to try to break things down in chapters and verses. And, and we're trying to, to take something. And, and oftentimes, it's real easy to take a piece of text and, and make it mean something that maybe it didn't mean. But when we pull it out of context, we can do an awful lot of things with it. There was a young couple, they were in their early 20s, they began dating, and they made a promise to each other that they wanted their relationship to be 100% biblical, that there was nothing that they would do in that relationship that they couldn't find in the Bible. So that really restricted them a lot of ways, and as their relationship grew and blossomed, they deeply desired to kiss each other. And they began scanning the Bible, finding ways and And finally, they met together and the the boy was just super excited. He says, I want you to know that I found it. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 14 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And she looked at him and she says, you know, I I don't really think that that really means that. Let's keep looking. So so they, they continue to study the scriptures and they read and read. And finally, one day as they were meeting up together, the girl just walks right up to him and just plants a huge one right on the lips. And they, he comes away stunned and dazed and he says, where did you read that in the Bible? And she says, in everything, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. <laughs> You know, sometimes we kind of take those things out of context. And don't get me wrong. I love the fact that we have easy references. I love the fact that when I say Philippians 4.13, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You, you know, but, but sometimes we cu- cut it up too much. 
You know, it was over a thousand years after the Bible was completed that somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we put chapters in it? And then another 300 years after that in the 16th century, when they said, hey, let's put verses on this. And it's a really great tool for us to find things, but sometimes it chops up these stories in such a way that we forget that it is a part of a larger story. That we have to look around it and we can't just pull it apart. We miss some of the story if we just try to focus in too close. And so I think it's really important that we try to get the big picture. A friend of mine, I told you this before, he's a, a fellow minister that we work together, uh, and he, he, he asked the question. He says, do you know why the Word of God is powerful? Because it's the Word of God! Do you hear that? Why is the Word of God powerful? Because it's the Word of God, the Word of God, God's Word that He wrote down for us. It's the Word of God that for years people fought to protect and pass on from generation to generation. It's people who secretly hiding away with a printing press, printing off a Bible that later authorities would find and they would tear up the Bible, they'd drag out the person, they would burn the Bibles that had been made, and then they would burn the person who had made them. And we forget that. We forget just how powerful it is and what a blessing it is that we have the Word of God. But oftentimes, we just miss out. I think you've probably seen it before. Uh, if you've uh, been in a place that has um, a fire extinguisher that's hidden behind glass. And on the side of it, it says what? In case of an emergency, you break open. Well, I think that's what we need to do with our Bibles starting this fall, is we have to break them open. In case of joy, break it open. In case of sadness, break it open. In case of of arrogance, break it open. In case of, of humility, break it open. On sunny days and storm filled nights, We should break it open in celebration and in mourning. We break it open. Whether we are caught in an addiction or we have found freedom in Christ, we break it open. You know, we read back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're familiar with this. We sing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Later on, He's going to say these words, these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and upon your gates. It's the Word of God. We should always have it with us. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, is an acrostic in which 176 verses, all but two verses, specifically talk about the Word, the precepts of God. Now how many of you get so excited 
that you want to take the alphabet and go through and write all the things you love about God's law. It's the Word of God. It's powerful in our lives and we need to be allowing it to penetrate into our lives. So I think we're all in agreement, right? That it's important to study the Bible. And it's great to get an overview, a whole picture. So the question is, why are we reading this thing? Why are we reading this by a a couple of guys? Why don't we just read the Bible? Well, let me explain a little bit of what this is, just in case you haven't cracked it open. Which if you haven't cracked it open, there's good news. Because some of you thought, oh no, we're starting today, I forgot to read chapter 1. Or I haven't gotten my book. We're actually, uh, I'm holding off a week because I wanted to explain why we're doing this. So you got one week vacation. But starting next week, we are going, going to ask and expect you to read chapter one. You don't have to do it. I mean, you can come here and not have done it, but you're going to miss out. Okay, you're really going to miss out. Uh, when we had a sign-up sheet out there, we had about, uh, I think, 49 people sign up. We ordered 80 Bibles and they're gone. I mean, 80 of these books and they're gone. Uh, we've ordered 10 more and we already have most of those people have said, oh, I need to get my copy. So if you want to get a copy of this, uh, let me know. We can get a good deal on them and we should have them here hopefully by Wednesday, if not next Sunday, which means you'll still be a chapter behind, but I'll loan you mine and you can read chapter one. Uh, so let's talk about why we're doing this. Uh, this says, um, it says... Uh, by Max Lucado and Randy Frazee. Why we we don't need we have the Bible. We don't need to uh, read about these. This this is not a normal book. Okay, this is in fact uh, I, I'll say an abridged version of the Bible. Chapter one. This is broken into thirty one chapters. Chapter one is going to talk about uh, creation all the way down um, to Noah. Okay, so I've already given you a teaser what's going to come next week. Okay, it is actually the new international version that's been put in here. Okay, um, every once in a while when there is a section, big section that's skipped, because obviously you can't cover every story in 31 chapters. When they're skipped, there's going to be a little, just a brief summary. Here's some of the things that happen. Other than that, this is completely the Bible. They just... Picked out certain parts. And you say, well, why don't we just read the Bible? Well, this is 31 chapters. This is 1,189. <laughs> okay? I think you know me well enough to know that we will get bogged down in Genesis and we'll be there for the next seven years. <laughs> okay? And by the time I'm 94, you know, we might hit the minor prophets. So this is going to be a tool, a guide that's going to help us go quickly. We're not going to get the whole thing, but it's going to give us a big picture. And I think this will be good, even for those of you who are familiar with the Bible. This is going to show you how there are these themes that happen over and over and over again throughout the Bible. And this is going to be a tool in which you have it. You're also going to find some things in here, if you're really familiar with the Bible, there's going to be some times you read something and you go, well, that looks really familiar, but I don't really remember that. Chapter 2 is going to talk about Abraham. And at one point it's going to say this. It's going to say, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive at his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, 
even though he did not know where he was going. Does anybody know where that comes from? I'll give you a hint. It's just those first two words, by faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Now time out here. How did we get to Hebrews and we're only in week two? What this does is, is this compiles all the information. So you're, you're going to find some times when you're going to hear something that's from the New Testament, it's written about the Old Testament. And you want to talk about having really good commentaries? There is no better commentary you can find than when the New Testament, specifically Jesus, talks about references something that happened in the Old Testament. And so all this book does is it places it side by side. Um, if you're a little more familiar with Chronicles, if you've read Chronicles, after you read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you get First and Second Chronicles, and you go, wait, I've read this before. Why, why do they have this in there? Chronicles was written later, after they're in exile, and they go back and they retell some of the stories so they can remind themselves, here's what happened. And so there are going to be times when we get in there, when those are going to get weaved in a little bit more. You may not recognize them as much as Hebrews 11, but they're in there. And that's another reason why we're going to be uh, looking at this. Uh, another thing I want us to see uh, is that by doing this, it's, it allows us to see something I think that is, is most important. Is that the story is not finished. I think that's the most important thing that we can learn. Is that the story that God has written is not finished. That we continue to read about it more and more and see it more and more even after this is, has been concluded. When they finished the canon in about 400, that's the 66 books of the Bible, and they said, here's the ones that we're going to include, and here's the ones that are not going to be in. That did not mean that God stopped speaking. In fact, Paul would later talk about that these people, they were the letters that were written. That each one of you are a letter written by God in which people read. And when they see you, what they see is God working in their lives. How powerful your testimony is, your actions, your words, your prayers, your presence. You are a part of the story that is continuing to be read. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to give you five things that I want to encourage you to do over the course of the next nine months as we continue to work on, work through, work with the Word of God. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to read up. Okay, If you haven't got one of these, get one. If you think, wow, this is neat, I want to read this but it's not enough, you can also pick up your Bible and read along with it. Uh, Obviously, that'll be quite a a bit more reading, but that would be great. But read this. Before you read this, pray about it. Before you crack open chapter 1, pray about it and ask God to reveal to you what He wants to tell you through through these words. Just like you would as if it were the Bible. Don't just jump in there and start reading. Pray and say, God, just open my heart, my mind, and my eyes to see things that I've never seen before. So the first thing I want you to do is read up. The second thing I'm asking you to do is write up. 
Okay, I don't, this is not the Bible. I, I have several different Bibles. They all look the same, but some of them I've had for longer and they get a little bit more writing and highlighting. My favorite one is a little bitty maroon one that I've carried around for about 15 years. And you open that up and it looked like a little two-year-old attacked it with crayons. Uh, and, and what I do is I like to highlight um, different things. If I have a certain book, I want to say um, joy, for example, is in Philippians. Every time I see the word joy or rejoice, I'm going to highlight that. There's any number of ways that you can do it. I, I heard someone suggest that make a little symbol. That as you read, if you read something new, put an N beside it. That means it's new. If there's something that really has transformed you, that's changed you, put a T beside it. If there's something that just baffled you, that you looked at that and you said, huh? Why is that in there? I don't get that. Put a B beside it for baffled. And you can make your own little symbols for that. Um, I, I get made fun of and I don't have it with me, but I have a set of really fine, fine point pens that I carry around. And they make fun of me because I have my name on it and I number them all. And that's a sickness that I have and I'm working on that. But I have a super fine pen because when I want to write notes, I want to write tiny words in, in the margin so I can remember that. And I go back and look through my Bible and there are times that I have no, I just, I write a question. I, what, did, what does that mean? You know, why, why would Jesus say that? Uh, I, so the second thing is, um, uh, the second thing is write up. And I've shared this with you before. I encourage you, I beg you to become Bible critics. And, and let me make sure I, 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 you understand what I mean by that. I'm not saying you criticize the Bible. I'm saying ask questions of the text. Why would Jesus say what he just said? Why would he do that? What, what did he mean by that? Ask those questions, write them down, go get a journal. If you don't have a journal, I have notebooks, I'll be more than happy to give you one. Take it home and write in it. Write your questions, your thoughts, your prayers, fill that up. So first thing is I want you to read up. The second thing I want you to do is write up. The third thing I want you to do is show up. Be here as we begin studying this, as we look over this. I, I think what you're going to get is the Word of God in a very powerful way. But I think we can continue learning when we're here on Sunday morning. So be here, read it, buy an extra book, give it to someone, ask them to read up, write up and show up, have them join you as we get the big story that talks about God's grace and his mercy. The fourth thing I want to ask you to do is listen up, not just to me, but to the word. Think about what it's saying in your lives. But not only that, not only listen to the Word or listen to a speaker or a teacher, I want you to listen to others as we dialogue about this. You see, one thing that's going to be special about this, and I'll, I'll jump into the next one as we start this, is that our life groups are going to be going along with the story. And so after you hear, just a, 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 you read the, the whole part of it, and then when we come in here and have a sermon, we're going to catch a small part. Then in our life groups, we're going to discuss it and we're going to say, what does this really mean for us? What does it mean that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat? What did it mean when Adam, you know, turned and said, you know, it was her fault. Oh, wait, first he said, it's your fault, God, because you gave her to me. 
And it's also her fault because she gave, gave the fruit to me. What does that really mean? What does that mean for us today? And so the, the fifth thing after, after we ask you to read up, write up, show up, listen up, is speak up. Come to our life groups. If you don't have a life group, I'm about to give you an opportunity to be a part of one. Uh, and we're going to do that in just a second. Where you can identify with the group. There's lots of reasons to have a life group. One of them is Bible study. Another thing is, it just helps us be a family a little bit better. I, I love all of you, but it, it is just almost impossible for me to build deep relationships with all 200 of you, especially in this setting. Where you're out there and you're, you're staring back at me. Life groups facilitate... Uh, an opportunity in which we can come together and we can get to know each other better. And so if, if, if Brad is not here for a couple weeks, if I don't see him sitting in that pew, his life group knows. And they call and they say, Brad, are you okay? And he says, man, I, I took a, a tough fall. Kelsey left her, you know, her toys out and I stepped on one of them and, and slipped and, and I, my knees hurt. And we say, okay, we'll, we'll pray for you. Can we bring some food over for you? That's kind of what life groups is about. It's what the first century church did. And so we want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. Uh, so right now we're going to stop at this time and we're going to do something a little differently. I don't know how well this is going to work, but if you are a life group leader, I'm going to ask if you would come make your way up to the front right now. If you're a life group leader or you're helping out with a life group or if, or if you are an ambassador for a life group, we have... Two, four, six, seven. Wait, two, four, six, eight, nine. I think we have both of them. Okay, so uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I, I'm going to start off with, with Bob. Uh, they're going to give you their name, and they're going to tell you when they meet, where they meet, uh, and basically for each one of them and, and, and what they do in their life group. Some of them won't be studying. Sometimes they do something a little differently. For instance, Bob has a great ministry they do, World Bible School. He'll let you know about that. And by them being up here, they are offering an invitation for you to come and be a part of their life group. So we're going to take just about a few seconds for each one. Bob, if you'd come to the microphone, introduce yourself, tell them when and where and what you're doing. Bob Hamilton. We meet uh, after class every Sunday. And uh, we work on uh, the World Bible School program, and uh, it's uh, a lot of it is uh, uh, fairly mundane, but it's still extremely important. We prepare lessons to send to, to Africa, and then uh, we also take any of the correspondence back, grade that, prepare it, and send it back, and establish a relationship back and forth with people in Africa. And uh, it's uh, we meet for uh, usually a pretty solid hour and uh, work on this together. And in that time, we also have a lot of interaction between our, our group members. So it's a, it's a very productive, um, it's, a, it's a missionary effort that we've incorporated into our life group. I'm Bill Jarrett, and uh, we meet at our house on Sunday after church. Uh, each one of us <laughs> in our group, we go get something to eat, and we go to our house and eat. And we've done several different things. Um, we have a pretty small group. There's about 14 of us. We have uh, in our group now is Jerry and Kay Phelps, Carlos and Gina Martinez, their daughter Victoria, 
and her boyfriend Matt Shell comes some, Yolanda comes, Gay Northcutt, Malcolm and Cassie Cox and their daughter Shayla, Joanna Pagasian and Harlene and I. And uh, we've done several different things, but we're going to do the story, and I'm, I think it's going to be really good. My name is Jeff McCool, and I'm speaking on behalf of Scotty and Terry Holloman and their life group. Uh, we meet at 5 o'clock on Sundays in homes, uh, typically at the Holloman's house, but sometimes we rotate. And our group spends time with uh, Bible study and prayer and fellowship. D.A. Cochran and our group meets immediately after Bible classes uh, each Sunday, and uh, we have... Uh, it's a service project mostly. Uh, for typically, we try to feed the widows uh, often, and we have special prayer groups, or we pray for special people and uh, use our opportunities for service to others. Hello, I'm Lance Havens, but right now I'm Del Rasco. Uh, he's not here, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about his group. Uh, they meet at 11 o'clock, and they either meet in the family room or at the Rasco home. And Kenneth can actually tell you more about their group. Taylor, I don't see him. He snuck up on me. Yeah, he's a part of that group, and he can tell you some more about that. Did you have anything to add? Oh, okay. Okay, good. And, and now I'm Lance again. And I'm going to tell you about the teen group, 6th uh, through 12th graders. We meet every weekend. Sometimes we do things on Saturday and Sunday. It kind of varies, but I always tell the kids on Wednesday nights. I print it up and hand it to them. It's on the website, and generally it is in the bulletin. So that's how you can keep up with what the teenagers are doing. Thank you. I'm Brett Blackman. We generally meet Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, either up here at the church building or in homes. Uh, we are involved with Bible study. We will be, we'll be going through the story as well, discussion questions. Uh, we're involved with prayer and fellowship as well. Kids are welcome in our group. Most of the, the families in our group have kids, but you don't have to have kids to join our group. Thank you. <laughs> My name is Benny Nava, and our life group uh, meets every Sunday at 4 p.m. at the uh, Heartland uh, facility. We meet in the chapel, and uh, we uh, go ahead and provide communion service uh, for the residents and uh, anybody who attends. And we also have a short worship service there. And we encourage anybody of any age group to come and be a, a part of that. You'll get a tremendous blessing from being uh, and serving that way. Thank you. My name is Kenneth Taylor, and uh, we have a Thursday night life group also. And we meet right next door uh, where they have the uh, clothing room and food pantry. And uh, right now, um, we are studying in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we will continue through that book. Uh, we finished up Romans a while back. Uh, we start at 6 o'clock. We have a meal. And then sometime around 7 to 7.15, we start our Bible study, and we're generally done by 8 o'clock. We would like to invite any of y'all here who are curious or who just want to come by and show support.
to come and uh, visit with us. Join us on a regular basis, whatever would suit your needs, and uh, we'd just be happy to see y'all there. Yes. Yes, that's uh, actually what it is. It's for people outside of the church family that congregates here on Sundays. But uh, and and we have had a lot of new members, new baptisms through this ministry. Uh, what I was wanting to do is just to invite anyone that was here that might be interested in seeing what was going on to uh, attend and, and and help us out. Thank you. And I am Doug Crum and also Lance Havens because we're co-teaching uh, 5 o'clock on Sunday nights here at the building. We're in the quads. We meet here. And whether you like it or not, we're going through the story also. So uh, we'll be doing that. And I want to encourage everybody, uh, look at these faces. We also have their names and some information that they just shared with you uh, online and in our bulletin. Please get involved in one of these groups. I, I just, Thank you, guys. You may have a seat. Thank you. Um, if you if you want to get involved with the church family, this is just an excellent way to do it, to get to know people, and so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. That's just one of our ministries going on. Uh, we didn't get to the story, like most of you were anxiously awaiting, uh, and so this is going to happen next Sunday. We're going to start week one. If you're a life group leader, the... Um, we, we punted and did an audible. They expected uh, week one, two. So they have a completely different um, outline de- devotional that if you want to participate in the story, I have that for you afterwards. And so you get to um, uh, pull an audible with me as, as we're going to have a devotional for them at your scheduled time. There's a lot of exciting things going on. I hope you can feel it. And I hope you recognize that this is the Lord working in a very powerful way. But we want you to know that the story continues on, not only just through the Bible, but His Word penetrates into our hearts. And we want to give you an opportunity, an invitation to come and join us as we seek and serve Jesus, uh, Jesus our Lord and Savior. If there's any way that we can serve you this morning, we want to ask if you'd come as we stand and sing.